Hello and welcome to the Ballot Box global election coverage from the team of political scientists. I'm Jonathan Parker in London. I'm Chris Terry in Manchester. I'm Andres Besser in New York City. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ballot Box. So this is our second part of our ranking the electoral systems uh, challenge where we're going through all of the electoral systems in use in the world and um, basically just settling for good which one is the best one. So if you tuned in last week you will know that we've already made it through almost all of the electoral systems. Um, we went from through from block voting as our worst electoral system up to single transferable vote and now we have the last, the top three basically to go. Um, so we're going to go through, um, break those down, reveal the best one and think about if we were to um, reform the UK's electoral system, how, how we would actually make this work in practice um, as well. Um, but yeah, before that, how is things going? Um, how's things over in, in New York, Andres? They're, they're definitely less exciting than in the UK. Um, <laughs> I saw I saw Chris retweet um, a, a, an iconic uh, an iconic tweet by Iceland, um, Iceland the supermarket that um, <laughs> <laughs> that just trolled uh, Boris Johnson. You know, yeah. things, things have to be really bad when when yeah K um, when KF can... KFC has as well. I didn't uh, see the KFC one. But, uh, do you yeah. remember, Chris, in the 2019 election, they conservatives put out that picture of Jeremy Corbyn as a chicken. Oh, yeah. Tagged KFC in it and said, well, they, they just like um, retweeted that tweet with a picture of Johnson's face pasted over Corbyn's no. and said, fixed it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know you're in trouble when when corporations are um, feel for, like they um they risk oh, no I... they risk no sort of fallout from just sort of slamming you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So for anyone listening, today is the day. So anyone listening, wondering why where this came from? Today is the day that Boris Johnson resigned um, as leader of the Conservative Party. And therefore, eventually, as prime minister of this of this great country that Jonathan and I live in, um, <laughs> it's a little bit greater now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've made our feelings about the about Johnson known on previous podcasts that we don't think he's particularly yeah. healthy for the UK's democracy, um, so we feel. That we can break um, impartiality on on that, um, and, and also just personally, I've just found the last two days incredibly funny. So yeah. <laughs> basically, the main thing that matters to me. Um, it's been a very funny couple of days in British politics. If you've got the right mm -hmm. sense of humour. Um, <laughs> well, it was when he fired Michael Gove that I started laughing hysterically. So oh yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I, 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 I saw a I saw a tweet by a journalist just before I came, came on that she that said that Michael. So reason why he fired Michael Gove. Well, a couple of reasons. First reason was vengeance for the fact that Michael Gove scuffed his 2016 leadership campaign um and so this was revenge um but also he um it's also michael gove was um came to him and said you need to resign um and what this journalist said was that michael gove said to him you need to resign by 9 p.m today um and the journalist said that um he fired him at 859. <laughs> <laughs> just beautiful. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I I know of no country in the world where where like the downfall of a government is so funny. Um, and where there is so much humor around. Yeah, um... I mean, Boris, people did say Boris Johnson would make politics more entertaining. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's I, I, I can't disagree with that <laughs> at yeah. this point. Um, I've, <laughs> I've, been, I've been thoroughly entertained. <laughs> yeah, because this has gone, I mean, we've seen like similar processes with previous PMs about like cabinet resignations forcing their, res their resignation, but it's, it, 
it's only him who let it go on this long and drag it out to, to the point where you get the people that he re- appoints to replace the people who reside resigning and yeah. calling on him to go in within like the there's enough time has elapsed so that they're now in that position themselves um so yeah it's mm. been it's been an entertaining um few few days and yes and now we get to um have a summer of uh conservatives uh campaigning against each other to uh to lead so yeah uh a significant day all around okay and um everything uh all right chris apart from the political news yeah yeah how can you do it i mean i basically haven't thought about anything else i mean for mm-hmm. i that people in the economists keep telling us that the uk has a major productivity crisis and frankly like I can vouch for that over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> it's been very difficult to maintain concentration on anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. I mean, like you say, I've, my um, attention has been drawn off work um, for, for quite considerably um, by this, but yeah. Otherwise, all all fine. Um, just sort of settling into my uh, to my new job um, and getting uh, modules planned for the autumn, um, which is quite mm. exciting. Right. Okay. So yes. The, so as listeners will remember we left off last time with STV, um, which we gave a, a not an amazing review to, despite its popularity in some circles. Um, but so this this has left us with three systems left um, on our ranking. And so I think um, we will, without further ado, get on to the third, what we think is the third best electoral system based on the rankings we all, all gave this. Um, this gate got an average of a 7.7 out of the, of the, mm. the three of us. And this is a semi-open list um, form of proportional representation. So, uh, Chris, how does this work? I mean, it basically works like, um a closed party list in in some ways um so you vote for a party um and however many what percentage of the vote they get the it, there's an algorithm that tries to give them a similar number of seats where the difference is is that you can um is that you can uh, is that you can also vote for candidates um but unlike an open list system which we'll discuss later um it's not necessarily the case that voting for those candidates changes it changes the order um depending on certain levels of rules like the 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 order that there's still an order to the party list and that will in some way influence things the extent to which that is the case depends on the um system being used and you know, there's different ways of kind of uh, dealing with this. So, for example, so to give two countries that sit next to each other, actually, um, the Netherlands and Belgium. The Netherlands uses what's the kind of more common way of dealing with this, which is that if you get a certain number, if you get a certain number of votes, um, personal votes, then you go out of the party's order and you go straight to the top of the list and the people who get um who get um above that threshold um reach it votes below that are just are not uh, don't don't affect the list sort of in any way um so in the dutch case it's um something like um a third of a vote um a third of a percentage point um which given the netherlands elects mps in a national um, <laughs> a national it can still be quite a big barrier um the other way of doing it that i'm aware of is the way that belgium does it which is that the votes on the list are, are weighted um against um your uh, the the votes are weighted against a, a list placement this is a slightly complicated algorithm um it it, and that that's much less common but um that 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 does um that that is a a situation because it 
can exist. And so um, broadly speaking, like the degree to which these votes matter for candidates uh, depend markedly by yeah. um, other details of the electoral system, a type of parties that they have, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's gonna that's my brief summation. That's the best summation I can kind of do, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, so obviously, if you were to look at our individual rankings, I gave this one. This was the top rated one, as far as I was concerned. Um, mm. Whereas you two gave it a bit of a lower score on it. Mm. Um, I will say that I do not think that the kind of Dutch um, sort of style, or the like, something like in Austria where they also have a sort of semi-open list, is is not optimum in that it's it, where they, where it's incredibly hard to change the list and you don't really end mm -hmm. up getting the candidates. I am um, I think something like the something a bit more flexible where you can where you, you do have the option to vote for the party, but also it, it is possible to change the ordering as well if you were so inclined um, and prioritize party. Is is better? I mean, I think that something like the Danish system is is pretty liberal yeah. in terms of or, being able to. Oh yeah, although the Danish system is an example where it's it's um, debatable whether it's a semi-open list or an open list. Yes, uh, yeah. So I think mm. this is why I um, will not really be quibbling that much with the fact that you guys have put the open list higher because, like, I think the if you were to ask me to adopt the countries, then I would probably say the Danish system. Um, I yeah. think it's very nice because in that obviously like it's so correct me if I'm wrong here Chris but it's like you get you can either cast your vote for the party or you cast it for a candidate on the party list and mm. the ordering is decided by those who vote for the candidates well that that's the so, case in most cases technically it, te technically in terms of the law parties actually have an option that actually have an option to run what are essentially semi-open lists, but no one does that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> like, the Danish system is very complicated. It details gives parties lots of options, which is mm -hmm. nice in its way. Yeah. Um, but yes, that, that, um, but yes, like in terms of what most people do, that's the case. The bit that I probably say actually makes it debatable is the way that the leveling seats work in Denmark. Mm -hmm. I think um, does, doesn't uh, doesn't quite correspond to how an open list should work. But um, the, um, the 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 um, the lower levels are very much. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say are an open list, but with the parties choosing what order people appear on ballot paper, as you say. Yeah, which I think is quite a nice mix yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And like, I do think that like the open list we get, um, it, I don't know, it, to my mind, it, 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 it gives you too much sort of leeway for kind of inter-party competition, um, mm. the pure open list. There's a possibility of this. And also of you, you're putting kind of really eye-catching candidates on the list, which get almost all the personal votes and sort of, drag the the party yeah. up um or, or the candidates who, who wouldn't have got many personal votes up yeah um, although these are issues which i know from the research do not happen in in many of the cases where this is used that, that it ends yeah. up that people do distribute personal votes moderately i i'm sure we'll i'm party. sure we'll yeah. when we get to open lists we'll talk a little bit about this because like i've even though I've given open list my highest mark, I've got an, a, a, an example of what I think is a bad implementation of open list <laughs> that I want to discuss. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that semi-open list. I don't know, Andres, do you have anything to add on semi-open lists before we move on? Yeah, well, I mean, just to note that I don't actually know the inner workings of the of how votes get counted once this happens, but it just seems like it could be actually potentially quite difficult um, in a sense, because you have to interpret the voters' intention twice, right? First, with regards to whether or not they prefer um, mm. party or... Yeah, I mean, it comes down to ballot paper design, which right. it, uh, and, and is, is, is difficult itself. I think what they do in the Netherlands, for example, the Netherlands is a kind of interesting example because... The Netherlands has semi open lists. It's also a national constituency in which 
there are, people are electing wherever you are you're electing 150 seats so parties are providing mm. a lot parties are providing a lot of um parties are providing a, a large number of candidates um regardless and how the dutch do that is if i recall correctly they essentially give you you essentially pick the ballot paper for the party that you want <laughs> to want to vote for but then you can choose a candidate from that list most people in the dutch case just vote for the person at the top of the list which, yeah the, the list puller <laughs> yeah which yeah. is literally literally is called in the netherlands a list puller um but yeah so that i think makes it not too difficult but essentially what tends to happen in the netherlands in in most countries that have open lists i think is what happens is they first of all they vote they count the party's votes which yeah. in that case is very easy because you basically just go this is a yeah. ballot for the dutch labor party therefore i put it in the dutch labor party pile and then yeah. that's that i don't need to worry about that um and then um and then and then they all count the candidates like a few days later because like that's the, that's the less uh, over a couple of days that's the less important part of the election ultimately so um yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay all right well we can sort of dispense because as we say we've got open list made the top two and mm. you obviously in a second are going to find out the ordering of it um as well um so we can discuss it a bit more um a bit more then as well um on on that um but yeah so number two the second best electoral system and we are kind of splitting hairs, I guess, when we get to this point. I think either of these top two, if they were to tell me that they were going to implement it in the UK, I wouldn't be mm -hmm. particularly bothered. Um, the the next one is uh, mixed member proportional representation, um, which is also one that made the uh, final ballot of the listeners as well and came second with 32%. Mm. Um, so MMPs, we've already had the parallel voting which is similar to this mm. in some respects and that it is a mix of smds and and lists but what is the crucial difference here chris yeah and i think we should probably briefly say for british listeners that um i think for all intents and purposes we're treating mmp and and what is called in scotland the wales ams as the same system yeah uh, very slight differences but yeah broadly the principle i i, I yeah i think yeah. i think it's broadly fair to describe them as the same system yeah um because mm -hmm. yeah if you're going to split hairs over it mm -hmm. the the two systems that are typically called mmp are um do have some slight differences but they're not anything that you're gonna <laughs> um that you're gonna um that are going to keep you up at night unless you're a weird mm. nerd like me <laughs> so, um, so uh, basically um this is what germany uses it's what um new zealand uses it's what um it's what scotland and wales use for their well it, it's wales for now <laughs> uses use yeah. and I, and I think we should probably point out that, that I don't think we would want to recommend the implementation of the Welsh variant um, yes. anywhere really either. Yeah. Which, if you'll listen back to our the Wales episode last year, we'll um, yes, we'll remember that it is not very proportional at all. Um, yeah, but mm -hmm. basically, you have a number of seats, usually half or well, a little over half, um, elected by first past post. Um, um, and then the rest elected by um, PR lists. So very similar to what we call, might call the parallel vote or a mixed member majoritarian, which we discussed in the last episode, in terms of, in those terms, in the kind of simple terms, um, the key difference being that in MMP, you um the list votes are the list seats are compensatory which is basically to say that um when we're calculating proportionality we're taking this we we're taking the constituency seats already to, uh, already elected into account in the calculation so that the overall result is proportional people people i think sometimes get a bit confused about this and they start describing 
the German system, for example, as being like semi-proportional representation mm. because there's a first-past-post seat element. Um, but Germany actually has, by the metrics that we tend to use in political science, um, one of the most proportional electoral systems in Europe, <laughs> like yeah. quite quite easily one of the most proportional electoral systems yeah. in Europe. Um, I it, think that's the, the important thing to remember is that, yeah, it is a system which is designed to give a proportional outcome. Like the, the mm. single member districts are just designed to give you an, a local representative as a nice yes. little bonus, basically, to get give you a give you a kind of local person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas the the vote mm. for the party list is if the more important vote because that is the one that decides the outcut the the mm. the actual seat allocation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. worth saying that decisions made, for example, by the German Constitutional Court have have made the system in Germany a lot more proportional over yeah. time. But yeah, that that's broad, that that's broadly the case. Yeah, um, but the the New Zealand variant as well is is very proportional, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, that yeah. produces pretty pretty good level. Yeah, and, and and both of those cases is for the same reasons that um, that PR lists when PR lists are proportional, they're proportional. It's that they've got um, they've got nationwide lists um, in in both cases, effectively. Um, and 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 also, I mean, very complicated stuff to do with the way that they um, deal with um, the fact that you can and can an MMP, of course, have situations where a party gets constituency seats which are out of whack with what its um, what, with what its PR total should do, and they they both have mechanisms to um, deal with that. Different ones uh, as well, though. But only very slightly different. I mean, actually, New Zealand has what Germany had at the time that uh, the New Zealand system was introduced. Um, uh, it, it's, it's different in New Zealand too because it, uh, the only other difference with, in New Zealand is that it doesn't take account of of states re- representation because New Zealand doesn't have any states. Um, but, um, uh, um, aside from that. It's um, yeah, broadly yeah. the same algorithm uh, algorithm as it was at the time. Mm. Yeah, I mean this this had a bit of um, I, I guess it, it was so. I mean, you 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 may be aware of other cases, but as far as I'm aware, this was confined to Germany until the 1990s, mm. and then New Zealand adopted it, and it sort of there was a bit of a wave of popularity. Yeah, of it. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't in this even say for MMP, I would say kind of more broadly for mixed member systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, quite frankly, like, quite frankly, some of this stuff is like a little bit arbitrary in terms of like the way that these things are divvied up. Like some MMM systems start adopting features that make them work a little bit like MP in some ways. So for example, um, Italy's system in the 90s was technically mixed member majoritarian but they had this they had a, they had an algorithm which discounted votes for winning parties in it's very complex and annoying but it discounted votes for winning parties in constituencies that therefore kind of did some of what <laughs> some of what um so um mmp does um so, so yeah you can kind of get and similar things in like we've discussed hungary before where at one point it was kind of you could you could kind of have an argument over whether it was mmm or mmp things like that um so yeah like you can have this a lot a lot of these things a lot of these a lot of the mixed member systems that kind of arose i would say are to some extent kind of like are to some extent kind of mixing elements of the two kind of theories in some ways. I would say that's just, mm-hmm. I would say that's kind of what you've got. And I would, I would say a little bit of that is true in Wales and Scotland as well. Yeah. But not to the same, not, not yeah. to the, not, yeah, I would say, but more leaning towards the MMP end of things mm-hmm. in those cases. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, as I said, I mean, if we went through all, well, there's lots of countries now that use something roughly equivalent to this, but like they obviously they all have like yeah, 
uh, little features which sort of change it so like i mean a few of them still do this like single vote for both ballots which mm. germany had initially um but yeah mm. um which isn't as as which isn't though you do generally have two separate ballots in many of the um in mm. Uh, Scotland, Wales, New Zealand, and Germany. Um, yeah, so you two have ranked this one slightly high. I mean, I've still given this a pretty high grade, but you two have ranked it slightly higher again. Um, maybe we'll start with Andres. Why? Um, what is the virtues of of MMP? Why have we Why have we given it such a such a high rating? Yeah, I think I think the the proportionality is obviously you know the, the possibility of proportionality is quite good. Um, as I told you guys when we were talking about parallel voting, parallel voting, I also think that um, the sort of campaign that you need that you that the sort of campaign that candidates run on to kind of influence the type of the politicians you get, and I think that uh, politicians that run on um, that run on party lists versus ones that run on single me single uh, member districts, i.e. Uh, first past the post, mm -hmm. are actually quite, they can be quite different and they can end up selecting slightly different types of, of candidates to, of politicians to a, to Congress. Um, mm -hmm. And that's actually pretty virtuous, I think. I am always reminded of the fact that, you know, Aristotle in the end, Kind of thinks that the best regime is a sort of mixed one. Um, I think mm. that's true because because you, you you in that kind of deliberation, that space of deliberation and policy making, you you probably want um, people who've had like slightly different careers and 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 that helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know about different careers, but I know it, um, so, or something like that. But I do know that there is, for example. Um, interesting political science research on um, Germany um, and some other countries too about committee assignments in MMP systems, mm -hmm. um, which basically, uh, basically, first past the, it, it, it's not particularly surprising when you begin to think about it, but um, I, the research I've seen, I think particularly covering Germany, suggests that MPs who are elected in first past the post constituencies tend to pursue committee assignments which are relevant to their constituency interests. So, for example, if they're in an industrial area, they'll try and get kind of onto committees that are kind of relevant to the industrial mm -hmm. interests of their area. Um, and whereas politicians who are elected on the PR list um, tend to attempt to get themselves onto committees which are more to do with their party interests um kind of like areas of ideological interest to their party so for you know if they're the spd they might be going for something like labor relations or um or healthcare or um or if they're the greens obviously they want to get onto the environmental committee you know because you're because those politicians are trying to um, appeal more to the kind of core membership of their uh, core kind of membership of their political parties to try and get themselves further up the list at kind of future elections. So yeah, in in those terms, it, so in those terms, it's very clear that your what you're looking at there is is um, perfectly rational behaviour um, around like what is in my 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 career interests. And like I'd think it, I think it's probably healthy. Yeah, have have a kind of mix of incentives yeah i also feel like um and and you, you guys will correct me if this is not the case but it also uh provides a degree of party discipline it provides mm -hmm. the incentives for party discipline mm. without making it uh you know um without making parties overbearing <clears throat> so it gives um it, it doesn't uh overdo the importance of party leadership because mm. there's a there's an alternate route to power um, that individual politicians can can kind of play off against. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's also there's also like obviously it gives you a which I suppose is the whole the whole point is that you get like a, a locally rooted 
um, politicians um, mm. because there was, I do remember seeing a paper presented at a conference a few years ago, which was called something like who brings the pork or something. Um, so I was look at German MPs under MMP and saying that they, they had this sort of tendency to appoint um, very locally rooted candidates to the single member districts in the hope that they their kind of popularity in the local area would then spill over onto the list vote. So that yeah. if you had like a really strong local champion, then that would mean, oh, well, maybe I really like this guy. I'll give my vote to his party on the list as well. So it might guess kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which has its, obviously has its benefits and its downsides as well, I guess, um, on the, on the same, yeah, um, yeah. the same routing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fond of it for similar reasons. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I think if you were in, doing electoral reform in the UK, realistically, MMP is the obvious one to go for. Yes. Simply because there is a particularly strong kind of a, like cultural attachment hmm amongst MPs at the very least which you know ultimately are the people who are going to choose the new system um, yeah. to the idea of um, of a kind of constituency relationship that is one MP to one mm-hmm. constituency um, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah that, uh, in, the, in those terms as well I'd also say in MMP's favour like one thing I'm one, one thing I always kind of like I'm I'm frankly giving marks to political and to electoral systems for is their flexibility from a kind of constitutional engineering standpoint because uh, i think it's it, it, one one thing about mmp mixed member systems is that by having these multiple details they are more flexible in terms of what you do with them and that is good because it means that um they can be adapted um to different contexts and different needs and different cultures and they can also be tweaked more easily if problems arise because of the electoral system that you're using which mm-hmm. can it can happen in all cases you know there, there have been yeah you can basically name any electoral system and someone has ran into problems at some point using it um, that might have not have happened if they'd used a different electoral system. Yeah. Um, so broadly, I think it's good if, um, <laughs> if, electoral, if electoral systems can be um, tweaked in kind of minor ways um, that kind of doesn't, doesn't require like huge overhauls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think my, my main, and the reason that I put it slightly lower than the two of you, Although I still think this is a very good system and would be very happy to see. And I agree with you. I think this is like the if, if the UK is to change its electoral system following the next election, mm. this is what it would be changed to. I think this mm. is the one that that would be the best, easiest for the parties to agree on um, mm. anything. But it, yeah, it's just the, the, existence, the existence of you having these two votes and two different types of representatives. I think for the like... The, it needs to be explained to the voters very well. And in mm. many cases, it hasn't been. Most notably in its usage in the UK, I think that the level of understanding around it, uh, it yeah. is generally pretty poor. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, yeah, that's in part, I would say, incumbent on the parties and political systems mm. just simply have never put much effort into, well, into and have not been willing to spend the money on proper voter education yeah. and that stuff. But you see, um, you see, like people who should know better, like adding up the votes across both ballots in Scottish parliamentary election results, mm. and it's just like no, like they don't need like all, all my per- like, all, all my personal favourite when Labour at one point took to um, referring to the list vote as the second vote because they felt yeah. it would they felt it would imply that it was a second preference, <laughs> and uh, yeah. that that would be good for them. Um, yeah, so... I mean, you also forget, didn't Labour at one point also try and run like cooperative party members on the list so it would like cheat the system basically? I think there's that's something that they that, told them some... for it and didn't that, allow them to go through it. Yes, that's something yeah. that they got the very least discussed. Yes, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which, yeah, um, yeah, that, that is one problem with with MMP is that. If you don't have good enforcement mechanisms, it can be mm. gotten around that way. 
and we had a conversation about we had an episode about career earlier this year that was a, an example we, we, we were discussing the presidential election there but the last korean parliamentary election they changed the electoral system from mixed member majoritarian to mixed member parliamentary um and they didn't do it in a particularly consensual way so the conservative opposition which is now which is now the party of the president um it decided to create an entirely new party just to run separately on the list which ba basically meant that they broke the mmp it broke the the proportional element of mmp so the ruling um center-left party had to do the same to compete properly which basically meant they were back to a, effectively a mixed member majoritarian system but just with people having to remember to vote for two different parties yeah it's really important like that the yeah that it's enforced and that people know how the point of how it works that it's not just like two ballots and that the, and all the the uh, some it's not two separate elections going on, mm. and that the party vote is the most important one. Um, because as you say, yeah, especially in the UK, it's like atrociously treated by the parties. I mean, I think Labour has been quite bad at it, but I can recall like yeah. that the the SNP will really just um, will quote mm. the percentage of the ballot in which they perform the best on yeah. quite frequently. Yeah. Say we got this percentage of the vote. Well, no, you you did that on the constituencies. Like, it's not the most important yeah. one but yeah mind. So i think worth saying that to some extent that's true of all electoral systems too yeah. like they're always they're always more complicated yeah even the ones that people think are simple people like people struggle with understanding mm -hmm. them, you think think they will and they can always be made to sound more complicated than they actually are too um yeah. if you're if you're a if you're a nefarious actor um <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah. uh, and uh, to give a kind of counter example new zealand has done an excellent job yes which is what i wanted to highlight it, yeah i and especially labeling it the party vote as well on the ballot yeah. paper is is very yeah is a very yeah, yeah. clever way to and go around i it. i love their i love their gigantic orange man who runs around yeah. educating people about <laughs> the electoral systems and other such things <laughs> um um Mm -hmm. they, they have wonderful ads featuring him. I think I can't remember if it was a parody one or not, but I remember seeing one where he was chasing someone on the street trying to get them to vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if, it, if it was a parody, it was a very good one, and possibly. Um, and, and but I would say that still says to still says that he's entered people's imaginations a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, so if you're gonna do this, do it like New Zealand, I guess is the is the lesson here. Um, make sure people are explained. But yeah, this one is this one is fine, but obviously we think is slightly less, um, less slightly less good than the open list PR system, which we have <laughs> named as the best electoral system yeah. in the world, full stop. Use this everywhere, people. Adopt it unquestioningly. Our expert opinion. This is the best electoral system. The open. So um, I don't think we need too much explanation on this, given we already just explained the semi-open. But yeah, Chris, yeah. how does the open? I mean, broad, broadly the same thing as um, semi-open lists. Like, once again, parties are running in. Yeah, you know, people are you're, you're voting for parties at some point. Mm -hmm. That's probably the best way of putting it because you might not necessarily be voting for parties directly, um, but you're voting for parties at some point, and parties get seats in proportion to their vote. Um, where it's different to semi-open lists is that you can vote for candidates, or in some cases, can only vote for candidates, um, and those candidates and those votes completely change the order within the party lists. So um the so um and there's different ways of doing that um so finland is for example one famous example in finland um and and brazil as well I'll, I'll, brazil was the example i'm going to moan about earlier <laughs> <laughs> so you can only vote for candidates 
and um, uh, and um, uh, but but those candidates are tied to parties. Or uh, um, in the Finnish case, you can also have party alliances, but those are quite rare now because of controversy that's come open. Mm. Um, with um, in other cases, you might be voting for a party list first and then choosing within that party list. Um, so um, I think Jonathan and I are both fond of um, Latvian mm-hmm. um, open lists, which is basically basically involves a form of what what electoral systems nerds call approval voting. We haven't named that in that in in any in um, anything else because you can't really use it for um, electing parties in a kind of national election. But it's a good system um, for something like this because what approval voting is is it's you 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 you, you can just put a tick next to any candidate that you like. Um, um, and in some forms of approval voting, you can also cast kind of negative votes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the Latvian system, um, you can press you can write a little plus next to any candidate that you want to move up the list, mm-hmm. and you can strike through any candidate you don't like, and that will send them to the that will send them further down the list. Um, so you kind of have a lot mm-hmm. of flexibility in other lists. And finally. You have um, delightful s- systems like those in Luxembourg and Sweden. With um, Luxembourg's system uses a name that I can't quite pronounce. <laughs> not, not, not Sweden, sorry, I meant to say Switzerland. I can make um, the computer say it for you if you want. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, it, it, it um, but in Luxembourg you can. Um, you, so f- let's say you live in a constituency that has seven MPs, which I think one of the Luxembourg constituencies does. Does um, you then have seven votes? You can uh, you can cast your um, and parties will run seven candidates. Um, you can cast. You can just click, but you can just vote for a party in Luxembourg, and that will give all your votes to one party. One party, if you want to. But what you can also do is you can go, I'm going to vote, give two votes to one candidate within that. So you can kind of double them up and then choose, choose a candidate within the list you're not going to do. You can also vote across party lists. So mm. for example, if you like the, if you like the socialists, if you like some socialist candidates and you like some green candidates, you can give like four votes to the Greens and you can give four votes to the Socialists and three to the Greens, um, something along those lines. Which is quite, which is quite nice, actually. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, yeah and, and Switzerland gets even more insane because there you can do all that. You can also cast negative votes. <laughs> you can, uh, I think Switzerland like literally even lets some, if you want to, I think in Switzerland, you can even sit down and basically compose your own list entirely from scratch so like uh, like so like that that is almost going beyond the single transferable vote in terms of like the amount of flexibility and power it gives people over their vote um which yeah uh, yeah so yeah that like this again i like this system in part because it's endlessly flexible you can do like yeah. lots of things with it to suit kind of different temperaments and and people have done lots of different things with it um yeah because yeah. i think it, it it has on the reason why i would rank this one so highly is that it has a lot of the virtues that we talk about with stv in being able to vote for specific candidates etc on on within the mm. parties but solves many of the flaws that we yeah. discussed in the previous episode as well um i think is is it's just general and it's, it's generally just it's simpler and mm. um as you say very flexible and um a lot of the one of the big criticisms we had with um stv was it's kind of the difficulty of using it in big countries um mm. and this is much easier to use in a big country basically um as yeah well. so, yeah yeah um, would you would you guys say that it's 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 correct to think of open open lists as a kind of gradient 
where there's like um uh obviously there's like there's more voter influence versus kind of it's a gradient kind of on party yeah, versus voter yeah. kind of influence. yeah yeah there's definitely something in that um i mean as well i would also say that there's basically as many list systems as there are countries because like every country does um a slightly different version of lists that like they 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 can be very very different between country from country to country which is i think something that doesn't get discussed enough is the extent to which list systems can can be massively different from each other um like um and sometimes sometimes in ways that make them quite complicated but give them some quite nice features like um jonathan slacked off the austrian system earlier but i quite like the austrian system <laughs> um for some like it's kind of uh, it's got some surprising localist features when yeah it's all the, the little they're all the tears right it, it yeah, breaks yeah. my brain a bit but yeah, yeah no i know yeah. what you mean there are some nice features to it yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah but like yeah like you could, so once you start getting into stuff like that you could be quite in i would say like um yeah uh, i would say that open lists so, so um, Alan Rennick, um, an excellent academic at now at UCL um, and in the Constitution Unit, has written a lot of work on the personalization of voting systems, which I think is something that has been neglected a little bit in the mm-hmm. um, electoral system literature. Like a lot of like, people tend to note that, oh, yeah, you can vote for multiple candidates, but you don't tend to discuss that element of things nearly as much as like proportionality which has been discussed far more often um and he he's kind of written he's written a nice book on kind of personalization of voting systems and one of the things that he argues is that to some extent there's a trade-off between personalization and proportionality to a to, to a little extent um because oh, yeah People in the UK, electoral reformers in the UK will sometimes say, oh, you know, um, a, a, a single member constituency is ultimately a list of one. But if you make district magnitudes too big, then it becomes very difficult to kind of maintain any, like any attachment between voter and, and candidate, which is, yeah, the Brazilian problem, because what happens in Brazil is... They have very open lists. You vote only for candidates, not for parties. But the the um, the constituencies are the Brazilian states, which are huge. <laughs> like, like, so they've got millions of voters. They've got millions of voters in them. Um, so you get a situation. So what what happens in Brazil, particularly because the party system isn't very well formed, is that a lot of parties just start running like celebrities. Uh, so on, um, and, and people aren't even really aware of what party these celebrities are attached to, and, they, and particularly because people have quite low opinions of them. Um, if you ever want a good time um, at the expense of um, a Latin American country, <laughs> look up Brazilian uh, Brazilian um, Chamber of Deputies election ads because they're insane. <laughs> so, so like people pretend, uh, yeah, people like uh, dressing up as Wolverine from X Men and things like that, and um, and, and you get your kind of these problems like so. Um, so like some elections ago, like the the candidate who got the most votes in all of Brazil was like a clown um, on children's TV, um, he, like and he got enough votes that he essentially just through the sheer number of votes that he got, he pulled like four guys that no one had voted for into into the Chamber of Deputies with him. Um, Things like that start happening for like a party that no one had really heard of and uh, and was full of um, crooks. Um, yeah. it's basically the way I, you could, anyway, mm. so that, yeah well, yeah, that's a fear isn't it right of open lists mm, although I yeah. think I, mean, I was reading a, an article fairly recently saying that they they basically from looking at studies of, of European cases where it's used which, mm. which is a much smaller district magnitude yeah. it, it rarely happens that votes get concentrated yeah. so 
much on one candidate and that yeah yeah it's normally yeah i i yeah i would say yeah i would say broadly yeah if you keep the district magnitude manageable that's fine like like there's a kind of increasing political science view that it's good to have district magnitudes of about five to seven because that uh, uh, that creates some quite um quite a nice balance between proportionality and um party system fragmentation and it um uh, and it's also good for open lists because you get a kind of manageable number of candles mm-hmm. at that point mm. yeah so yeah that's why basically my my warning is don't be brazil um, <laughs> um but like um but yeah finland fine luxembourg fine um and and also the parties in those countries are kind of more 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 instituted as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It, it's part of the Brazilian problem too. Is that like most Latin American countries, the parties don't have particularly deep societal roots anyway, um, except for well, maybe at this point one of them, if <laughs> 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 um, that. <laughs> Yeah, were you? Mm-hmm. No, I mean Uruguay. Uh, you were you gonna say? Ch- I mean Chile has. Is pretty, it, yeah, it, it, it used to have. Yeah, well, well sorry, parties, sorry, but, but, but but yeah, but the by the one of them I meant in Brazil, the Workers Party. Um, oh right, right, in Brazil. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah. In terms of yeah, in terms of other Latin American countries, there's maybe a few countries which have kind of more deeply rooted mm-hmm. parties but it, yeah. the, the, the rule is quite typically you don't ha- have yeah and i would also That's say true. i would also say of countries with histories of of intense corruption or poor enforcement mechanisms voting for candidates is always a problem i think i discussed this last episode but it's worth briefly mentioning it again but you can run in you can always run into issues with folk buying in those situations yeah um, yeah because yeah, we did say and we did sort of say i think give a bit more of an endorsement to the closed list for newer democracies and in developing countries um yeah it's maybe yeah. maybe the better way to go at least initially um yeah i think i think i very yes i'm i think i mentioned it in in that section particularly for that reason but yeah, yeah. Well, i think for developing countries for developed for countries that are kind of established democracies strong parties and institutions yeah open lists good way to go mm-hmm. really good way to go okay mm. all right um mm. yeah anything more to add on the virtues of the open list andres before we apply it oh that's what i was gonna ask how would this work in the uk actually yeah so we should yeah. ima- imagine imagining that Parliament has promised as they will they will implement our recommendations to the letter. Um, what? How should we make this work here? And so I think there's a few things that we need to think about. Um, mm. So in terms of a district magnitude, um, in terms of the use of leveling seats, um, uh, sort of uh, whether we're allowing joint lists, um, thresholds, and then also. Uh, Panachage, which I think is the word, how it's pronounced, mm. um, and whether we're going to allow sort of uh, um, as well this kind of approval voting element as well. Um, so yeah, sure. district magnitude. I think to start with that's probably a fairly easy one. Um, well, I can be. I, I basically got a fully worked up system in my head. So I... okay, go ahead, Chris. Go on, go on. Lay this out for us, and if we vehemently disagree, we can say. If not, then yeah, sure. Go well, on. I mean, you basically want a district magnitude of about five, five to seven, as I say. That you can split the UK up into seats of that size pretty easily. A lot of counties or kind of, are kind of some in in England at least are at kind of level similar to that mm. you might want to then employ a little bit more flexibility around district magnitudes and for example rural Scotland and and rural Wales um, yes. but so I would, yeah. I would I would just say yes yeah, split the UK up into uh, constituencies broadly in that range maybe go a little bit bigger in some urban areas a little bit smaller in in other areas don't bother with leveling seats don't bother with legal thresholds just use um effective thresholds uh, okay good yeah. uh, uh keep just keep it simple um 
makes the and yeah she's a relative because people aren't used to lists she's a relatively simple algorithm for casting um candidate votes as well and then leave it at that for now anyway (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's a very kind of yeah simple easy to the point um i think as i say yeah as i say i think you're probably gonna go with mmp in the uk but like Mm -hmm. yeah you could do that and i particularly because the uk is such a big country and with such kind of regional um, diversity i don't think leveling seats really works for the uk so I, my my suggestion with leveling seats was to be leveling seats by region so scotland mm. would have leveling seats the southeast would have leveling seats etc um mm. and put them at like a maybe like a three or four percent um but yeah like you say i mean if you have an effective threshold which is fairly low then maybe not so necessary um but yeah, I do think as well, I and mean, this is one of the advantages of using list systems, is that you don't have to necessarily draw um, constituency balances periodically, as you do with first past the post and some other mm. systems, which is obviously um, uh, has many issues with it. Um, if you just use local government boundaries and or just combinations, a county or combination of districts or something, then you just decide based on population how many seats they have each um yeah is yeah is, is much easier and uh free of uh possibilities that uh there could be malapportionment or gerrymandering or whatever um in that um yeah um so yeah also i know that andres you don't know the the uk as as well as we do but you have thoughts on leveling seats and such or does chris's proposal sound pretty good to you uh, I, I'll I'll trust Chris, <laughs> reigning expert. Yeah, um, especially yeah. when it comes to its application in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Um, yeah. 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 I think so. And what what is so? What about so? Are we just giving the voters one vote, as in the. Yeah, I'd probably go for yeah. the finish. I'd probably go for the finish system at first. I might uh, might. Have... It, it, just because I feel like making it about candidates would probably be to the UK political culture liking. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, um, but yeah, you may, you may change the details later as as frequently happens. I mean, something that I mean, referring back to Anna Rennick again, a point that Rennick has made throughout a lot of his work um, is is that actually if you look over time within list systems in Europe there's actually quite a lot of electoral reform and a lot of that electoral reform is based but a lot of that electoral reform is quite minor but a lot of it is basically tweaking um, semi-open or open electoral systems so that they are more personalist with time because over time people tend to demand more kind of say over candidates um as you know all the kind of well-known facts of modern day political science start to kind of eke in you know people becoming yeah. less less attached to parties fragmentation so, so on and so forth people mm-hmm. people just want to uh, people want to vote for candidates over parties more and more so mm-hmm. yeah you look at something like you know um so yeah you see quite a lot of like tweaking of um, semi-open list thresholds, things like that, um, uh, to kind of make things um, more open for voters. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see any reason why you couldn't start with a relatively simple system and then start kind of in the future kind of having conversations about, hey, maybe maybe instead of having one vote, we have, you know, up to three or something like that, which I think is like how some... Um, semi-open lists. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's a bad mm. thing to build into an electoral reform bill having mm. a periodic review of its working. Right, yeah, that yeah. sounds like a pretty good idea. And so you put in the bill. Uh, yeah, I mean, this maybe is recommended for the future. This should be reviewed in after two, three elections of use or something. And yeah, yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think, um, I, I think it's yeah, it's always good to kind of. Yeah, no electoral system 
yeah, particularly when you're doing a major electoral form, you always want to kind of revisit it to a certain extent at some mm-hmm. point. I mean, what part of what happened in New Zealand was when it had its huge electoral system change, was they literally built into the bill that there will be a review of the electoral system in X number of years and there'll be a referendum on turning it back, on changing it back. They didn't actually mm-hmm. implement the referendum in the suggested time. But a time frame, but they did eventually hold it. Um, actually, New Zealanders have voted for their new electoral system by a larger margin than they had voted for it in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, um, that's really interesting. The, yeah. the, that was a success. But um, yeah, you, like mechanisms like that, I think are, are, are good and probably mm-hmm. necessary to securing changes that are that kind of size anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to give people a, a way to go. Actually, this was a bad idea, <laughs> just in case, because you know, any electoral system, as I, as I said earlier, like any electoral system can go wrong, and you know, there's always a little bit of uncertainty around the adoption of any system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you guys: Has there been an exercise in kind of imagining? through polling data, what sort of parties the UK would get if it had a different um, electoral system? There was a, a fun exercise for the US. I don't they know if did, you know it. Yeah, I, I, I do know of the US example, but no, I can't think of anything that's been done. I yeah. think had questions as in asking, like, if we were using a proportional electoral system, mm. would that change your vote and among the existing parties? Because obviously that's the point, right? That the UK already does have existing parties that would probably do better under a proportional system. Um, whereas in the US it is literally, there is the tour intents and purposes there are two and contain yeah. multitudes. Um, yeah. 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 I think, yeah. and I think we discussed this briefly last year when we talked about the electoral reform in the UK, that mm-hmm. there are probably parties that you can see hiding within the two main ones in the UK, which would emerge. Um, yeah, there have also been like a lot of recent attempts to kind of like try and break the British electorate down into like what's sometimes referred to as like tribes. Mm. Um, people are kind of becoming aware that the UK is becoming like most countries. Um, this isn't unique to the UK by any stretch of imagination. It's becoming more divided by values trying to kind of work out what kind of like values clusters exist. Um, so there's been, um, there's been some work done on that. You, like, you can't really exactly say that those clusters would, would each have a party attached to them. But like, I think, I think that kind of, those kinds of expense kind of give you an idea mm-hmm. to some extent that of, of, of divisions like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also we have we have countries and neighbourers mm. that use PR systems. None of them are exactly like this, but through mm-hmm. a combination of them. I mean, the UK mm-hmm. shares certain features with the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. It shares certain features with the Netherlands. Like, the, there's certain commonalities there that you can maybe have a decent stab at approximating what such a system would look like. I guess um, as well. Um, yeah, which is a just an interesting an interesting thought experiment that I'm sure somebody out there has has done as well and spent ages yeah. plot out an alternate history. Of this. Oh yeah, and the Times some year I think it was the Times some years ago did like a a, um, a kind of a list of suggested parties um, if we had PR. I remember I remember Tim Montgomery. Uh, a conservative commentator who frequently falls out with his party um just start just taking the one of the right-wing parties that they named that the name the national party and describing himself as a supporter of it in his twitter bio for a while which <laughs> um, i thought was amusing um yeah but yeah and there's obviously like a party to the left of the labor party which would exist in most mm. countries um that kind of thing a party to the right of the conservatives which has had more success but not as much as in other places kind of thing um yeah mm-hmm. and yeah various other different kind of constellations as well would, would be mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Oh. yeah interesting 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Shall we leave it there? Or have we got anything else to say? Mm. I think I think we're good there. Yeah. As we yeah. said, this this is something we're gonna return to briefly in um maybe a bit later in the summer when we kind of break down and think about what a constitution for the UK would would look like um if we were to mm. write one. Um and so mm. that we will we will endeavor to incorporate this chosen electoral system into it um at that point. Um, but yeah, we, we will, um, we'll, we'll definitely, we're not going to come back to that next week, but we will come back to that um, in the near future. Yeah, we well. figure that maybe we've had a little bit too much UK discussion lately. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but we'll, come back, we'll come back and discuss something else uh, next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll see everyone then. Um, thank you for listening. Great. And uh, sorry to the supporters of STV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, including my former employer. Um... <laughs>